I love this interview with Thaddea Locke. She's an English professional pickleball player, and she has a great story about how she got started in the game. She also talks about her three rules of pickleball, which every player should know, plus the two-handed backhand. So let's get to the intro to hear from Thaddea. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Thaddea Locke. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you, Lynn. I'm super excited um, to be on the podcast, and thank you very much for having me. Yes, and I recently, actually just a few weeks ago, I think interviewed your mixed doubles partner, Louie. Yes. And so, yeah, I was able to reach out to you and, and get you on the podcast. And as people might imagine, you have a little bit of the accent, because I think probably most of the listeners at this point are still from North America, but you're from England and we'll get on, get into your story. But I do always like to start off with how you got involved in pickleball and how long ago that was. Okay, so I so I actually have a good friend um, who is a professional tennis player, and I went to stay with her family who live in Wichita in Kansas. So I just went out there for a holiday, had no idea what pickleball was. And her mom had said to me, oh, Thaddea, we'll have to get you trying pickleball when you come out here. Um, you can play at our country club with our friend Lucy. So I was like, okay, sure. So I was there for a couple of weeks, and I probably played maybe three or four times just in a social group that Lucy organized with it was just basically a group of ladies that played and it was super fun I really loved the game didn't really think anything of it Lucy was showing me that she had a paddle with her name on again didn't think anything of it and when I was coming home Lucy said to me oh when you go back to England you should keep playing and I said we definitely do not play this sport in England she was like no you do so when I got home, I kind of Googled places to play pickleball in England and some clubs came up and I found one that was close to me. And I emailed the lady and just said, oh, I've just played um, pickleball in the States with this girl called Lucy and I'd really start playing in England. And she emailed back and she said, that's great. What level are you? And I thought, I have no idea what level I am. I don't even know how the ratings are done. So I messaged Lucy, what level am I? And she said, oh, just say you're a 5.0. So I had no idea at that point what that meant. So I just sent an email back saying, oh, I'm a 5.0. And the email back I got was, oh, if you're a 5.0, you're going to be the best woman player in this country. And I said, hold on, I've played like three times. And then she said, and also the Lucy that you played with, who was that? And I said, oh, just this girl called Lucy Kovalova. And she was like, oh, Lucy Kovalova is like the best player in the world. And I had no idea. And I also had no idea, obviously, of the level. So then I went to the club and I started playing. And I, I wasn't the best. I obviously had to play and learn the tactics a little bit more. And I guess I picked it up quite easily because I come from a tennis background. And I, yeah, when I'm very competitive. So when I start something, I like to commit to it and do it properly. So, yeah, that was kind of how I started playing. And I was lucky, I guess, I got to have Lucy Kovalova as a first coach. Not many people um, can say that. So yeah, that's my story and pick up what I started. So that was in October 2018. So then I played for a few months. And then in the December of 2018, I got diagnosed with mono really badly. So I didn't really do anything for five months because I couldn't really get out of bed. And then, then I could start to get back into a little bit of exercise, didn't really have the energy to start playing tennis again. But that's why pickleball for me at that point was so good because it was something that obviously isn't 
as intense and you don't have to move over as big an area as you do on a tennis court. So it was perfect for me then to pick back up and be active again in 19, which was the, um, was that? It was the Scottish Open, I think. Yeah, it was the Scottish Open. And then, yeah, so since then I've been playing, played in tournaments in Europe and then in the States in 2019 and then played a tournament in Spain at the start of 2020 and then COVID hit. So then had a bit of a hiatus, obviously, because of the lockdowns. And here in the UK, we we were in a lockdown for most of 2020. I think in the States, it was a little bit more free. You guys had a few months, I think, at the beginning where you were in a hard lockdown. But then I think a lot of the states opened up, whereas over here, we were in a pretty hard lockdown for most of 2019. So it's been nice this year now that we're a little bit more free to yeah, get back into playing. I, I bet. And yeah, you're right here. It was a little bit more free in terms of COVID and not being so locked down. But we also have quite a few outdoor courts, which I would imagine at this point, you guys probably don't. No, we don't. We During lockdown, the, it got to a point in the summer when we were still quite locked down, but we were actually, you were allowed to go and play tennis outside. And so me and Louis actually, we found a tennis court and we basically just we used it didn't have lines painted on it but we used throw down lines so we would just go and practice there so yeah we I guess there was a period of time during the summer when we were both furloughed and so we had time and we were allowed to go outside and play so we we were able to practice quite a bit in those few months oh one of the benefits of being furloughed right exactly now in in your intro you went through a tremendous amount of stuff and I absolutely love the story about Lucy. I think that's just tremendous. And so ba- you call her basically your first coach. I know you had just started playing. What were some of the things that you learned from Lucy? I think with Lucy like she made pickleball really fun. It was definitely something I really enjoyed doing when I was in the states. I really liked the social side of the group and I think coming from a tennis background where it's quite serious, I was, oh, this this sport's a lot more social and you're competitive, but you're also having... So Lucy, I guess she taught me like the basics and the rules of playing. But I think the main thing I picked up was how fun and social the game was. That makes sense. And yeah, it truly is. And I hope it stays that way. And you dropped out a little bit when you were talking, I think in 2019, was that your first tournament you played in the Scottish Open? Yes. So I played, I think that was in May 2019. That was my first tournament year in Scotland. And then how did you? So I won the triple crown. I actually won the singles, the doubles and the mixed doubles there. But I, again, I I didn't even realize like you could play tournaments. It was also new to me that because at that point I didn't know so much about the sport. And I was like, they play tournaments in this sport? This is crazy. So I just went along to Scotland. Still, I wasn't that well from having mono. And just went up there with no expectation because I didn't really have any idea how it all worked. And I guess singles is is quite similar to tennis. So for me, I guess I think I transferred over quite quickly in singles. I was super lucky in that I had two really good partners in Louis in the mixed and then Faye Plummer, um, who's another English player. So yeah, I think I was just really lucky with my partners and yeah, it was really fun and it was quite nice to go into a tournament and nobody knew who I was. So there was no expectation. And yeah, it was a really fun experience. It was a really well-run tournament. And for me, from then, I was like, wow, this is really cool for me that I can compete in a sport because I've always, I played tennis to a high level, and but I'm done with competing in tennis. And I, it was cool for me that I'd found another sport that I could transfer my skills from tennis to 
and like have something new to compete in and learn and develop and get better at. And how did you find your partners? Because obviously, if you were playing with Lucy, she said you're a five zero, and the woman at the club said, yeah, you're probably the, the best player in, in England. How, how did you find your partners? Because it must be pretty tough to find people at the level that you are. Yeah. So Louis, he started maybe like a year and a half, two years before me. So he was obviously at a really good level when I came in and he helped me a lot to learn the tactics of the game, figure out what to do. And the same with Faye. She at that time was the best female player in the UK. So I was super lucky that I walked into playing with the two best players in the UK. I guess not many people are lucky enough to be in that position. So they really helped me to learn the game and even other players. At the t- I learned so much that tournament because I think it's very different playing rec play than it is to going in and playing actual tournament match play. So it was a big kind of learning curve for me. But yeah, my partners definitely helped me a lot. So what did you learn from playing in the tournaments? <sighs> what did I learn? I learned, I learned very quickly that the soft game is important. So To play at a high level, I learned that you have to be able to dink. I, coming from a tennis background, I obviously like to hit the ball a lot, but I learned that when you play against good players, you can't just hit because they're going to use your pace and your power and hit the ball straight back past you. So I learned you have to use the dink game to set up the point and just, yeah, really that sometimes actually the placement of the ball on the court is more important than how hard you hit it. Hitting the ball at your opponent's feet when you're at the kitchen line so that you get those easier balls, keeping your opponents pushed back. Just all the different tactics that are somewhat similar to tennis, but also have their differences. And learning things like, I guess, in tennis, when you're at the net volleying, as you hit a volley, you step through the ball. But obviously in pickleball, you can't step over the kitchen line. So that's, you're having to untrain your brain from what you're from what your muscle memory has been taught to do for the last 20 years. But I think definitely the biggest thing is the dink game. And I think that's definitely when you look at the difference between maybe 4.0 players and above, it's definitely having that soft game, but then also having the reaction so that when the rally speeds up, being ready. And actually, I think I watch a lot of the, especially over lockdown, I watch a lot of the pros in the States play when we couldn't really do anything. And Watching Lucy, actually, I learned a lot when you're in that back and forth, volley to volley, about positioning yourself on the court so that you're in a position where you can be ready for the next ball that comes back at you. I think you'll notice with Lucy when she plays on the right side, she's always waiting in her backhand because she's slightly over. So the majority of the balls she's going to get are down the middle. So I think just little things like that, the kind of really helped me I I like watching the pros a lot because I like picking up things and then trying them for myself in practice over here now one of the things I think I read from your tennis background is that in pickleball you have a two-handed backhand which is fairly unusual although I think Simone Jardim also uses one so tell me a little bit about that shot and how it works in pickleball yeah so my backhand my two-handed backhand is my most natural shot from tennis so it's the shot that I find the easiest I don't really ever remember being taught how to hit that shot I guess I I was once but it's something that for me feels very natural and it's something that when I play a lot of people are like wow your two-handed backhand can you teach me how to do this. And I actually, I was playing with a player over here a couple of weeks ago and he was, can you teach me the two-handed backhand? So it was interesting because I haven't really been on court and tried to teach too many people it in a pickleball sense. But I think I see when people try and do it in pickleball, I see them 
trying, they lock their arms quite a lot and they try to, instead of relaxing their arms and swinging through the ball, they lock their arms and try and use their body to hit the ball. And I think for me on the two-handed backhand, so I don't stack my hands on top of each other. So I put my hands next to each other. So my left hand rides up the back of the paddle face a little bit. But for me, it's very much about keeping my arms nice and loose, swinging, following through. And it's really your left arm and hand that's the one that does more with the ball. The right arm's there for some kind of stability and support, but it's your left hand that can really create kind of the whip and get the top spin and change the the, the angle of the paddle. Yeah, that's it's definitely, for me, it's a really natural shot, but I do get a lot of people that are like, wow, your backhand is amazing. And I like trying to help people to learn that shot. Obviously, it's not something that comes easy to a lot of people and especially if they haven't played tennis and for some people it it just doesn't work but actually yeah like you said Simone plays with it I think Lucy plays with it I think Catherine uses it I think a lot of the top women use it because they also from a tennis background but it's just it's a really fun shot as well on court I like being super attacking with it sometimes I might even use like a two-handed backhand dink like Anna Lee she likes to roll her two-handed back dink cross court with topspin so I like just playing around with it because you can do a lot of different kind of creative things and that was really the next question I was going to ask is in what situations do you use it because it will be apparent certainly on a serve return through the transition zone but and then I guess in in terms of dinking is are any other situation so I would say in doubles so I tend to use a single-handed slice backhand if I'm returning unless I feel under pressure while well, I'll use my double-handed backhand a bit more I will use again on my dink I will more use a single-handed dink because I have quite a good in tennis again natural slice shot so I like that single-handed dink but I like using the topspin to throw something different in there and confuse the opponent I will always use it at the net as an attacking shot. Like I play on the right with Louis because I have my backhand in the middle. So it's always something that I'm looking for when I'm at the net. But I think there's a time and a place definitely at the net to use the single-handed backhand kind of aggressive shot. When the ball's a little bit closer to your body, it's easier to hit a single-hander. And sometimes when the ball's more in line with your body, but more in front of you, again, it's easier to use a single-hander. Maybe even on like, if I get lobbed at the net, if it's not too high, you can use like a double-handed backhand swing volley almost higher. I guess you can, you can figure out ways to use it everywhere. It's just fun. And that's actually really interesting because I was thinking about it very differently, I think, than the way you're using it. And I can see that making a lot of sense. But is it how do you learn to go between kind of the one hand on your paddle and the two hands on your paddle? I think, again, for me, I'm lucky that I could use both of those shots in tennis. So I actually injured my left wrist when I was little. So I had to learn how to hit a slice because I couldn't put two hands on my racket for a while. So in a way, that was a blessing in disguise because I learned how to slice. So I think, I guess for me, it's more instinctive and it depends on the ball that's coming at me. Sometimes it's hard to, if you're pushed really back and you're trying to hit a third shot, sometimes it's better to dig it out. It's easier for me to dig it out with two hands to help control the ball. But yeah, I guess a lot of it is just instinctive. And to be honest, like just playing a lot and figuring out for yourself, okay, this works better on some balls. And then in other situations, like the single-handed shot works. I think it's all, it's all like 
dependent on the player and kind of what they feel comfortable with. Yeah. And I come from such a different background in racquetball that I don't believe anybody I ever played with used had two hands on their <laughs> on their racket. But in thinking about though, choosing a paddle, because you said your hand goes, I think a little bit up onto your paddle. Are you yeah. looking for that paddle that's got that longer grip? No, I don't. So I use an Onyx paddle and I don't think it's extra long handle. I just I just put my hands next to each other and my left hand rides up on the grip. But again, I quite, if again, having that hand behind the paddle face, it gives you sometimes a little bit more control. So it actually helps. But no, I definitely, I don't seek out a longer, a longer face paddle. I just, I guess I just adapted to the paddle I had for my backhand. All right. And then we were talking earlier too about, you've got, I think, three basic rules that you use in pickleball. Tell me about those. Yes, I do. So for me, I think I from tennis, I always remember some a coach told me once, if you get the ball in court more times than the opponent, then the likelihood is you're going to win the match. So I think that's something for me that's over into pickleball that find a way to get the ball over the net and in the court. It doesn't necessarily always have to be the perfect shot. If it's a ball that sits up and your opponent's volley it at least you've got another ball back in the court and you've got another chance to win the point if you if you try and play for example the perfect third shot drop and you miss it in the net you have no chance of winning the point but every time you get that ball back in the court you can fight to find a way to to stay in the point and to win the point so I think that's the first one for me just try and get the ball in court more times than your opponent and then the second one is linked to that one is just be ready for any ball so when I'm on court, you know, any ball that I've dug out, I believe that even if I've given them a really easy ball to put away, I can chase the next ball down, especially because the pickleball court is so small. It's not like the tennis court where it's a lot harder to cover. And you're in pickleball and you watch like Simone and Lucy and Catherine and all those guys and the 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 digs that they get back and the balls that they get back are incredible. So I think it's it's really important to believe that you can get any ball back and just be ready no matter what be ready okay I'm going to chase this ball I'm going to find a way just to get my paddle on it and get it back over the net I think that's something that frustrates me a little bit watch maybe like 3.5 and 4.0 players play that they'll hit a ball and they're like oh that's really easy for the opponent and they turn their back and it's what are you doing like you can get the next ball back stay in the point be ready so I think that's the second one for me just be ready for any ball and just fight and don't let don't stop until that ball has gone past you. And then I think the third one for me is just to have fun on the court. I think everybody plays better when they're having fun. And it's definitely something that I need to improve on because I sometimes in matches forget about that and get too caught up and stressed in the moment. But actually, you know, when you're out there and you're having fun and you're enjoying what you're doing, you always play so much better. So I think that's definitely important, even in pressure situations just to go out there and have fun and I think actually to relate this to tennis obviously our British girl Emma Raducanu just won the US Open which was I think a big surprise for everybody but I think I learned this even more watching her that just every match she was out there like having fun and it just shows you what you can do if you go out there and you enjoy it and you stay in the moment and yet have the best time, I think you're much more likely to be successful. Then you bring that up. That was an amazing win. And she came from the qualies, didn't she? Yeah, she did. 
crazy. Those are great tips. And I can, the second one that you gave about always being ready, that definitely resonates with me. I had actually had that happen yesterday, playing with players who are 3-5-4-0 and somebody hit a a not so good shot and they turned around and the the ball went over the net and you you get back and you play defense and you just try and return it. It's go for everything. Yeah, 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 100%. All right. Yeah. Just a couple of things to finish up. I know we that you're an ambassador for the International Federation of Pickleball. Yeah. And uh, I think you also do some social media posts for them. Yeah. Yeah. So I have been an ambassador now, I think since, I think maybe for, since the start of last year. So yeah, it's really just for us to try and help raise the profile of pickleball and show all the good work that's being done, especially over here in Europe. I think obviously pickleball is huge in the States and we're wanting to grow it in the UK and grow it in Europe and get it to the same level that it's at in America. So both myself and Louis, we're both ambassadors and we do a lot over here to grow the game and spread the word and using social media as well to highlight the good work that's being done um, around Europe. I just went and played a tournament in Spain and There's a new kind of club in the south of Spain called Pickleball Rotter. And so my latest post that I did on the IFP's Facebook page was the story of how Pickleball Rotter started towards the end of 2020 and kind of the amazing work that they've done in introducing young people into the game and they go into schools and yeah, they're just really great people. And it's really, I love seeing kind of people that are growing the game and you can learn a lot as well from finding out what what different people do and I did another post on there's a guy in the UK called Richard Wise who's helping to grow pickleball up in the north of England in Cumbria he introduced it into a tennis club over here and got the tennis club to paint lines down on the tennis courts which is not the easiest thing to do so I just yeah I like sharing on social media kind of the stories and how we are growing pickleball over here in the UK and Europe. No, those are both great stories, but I, I am curious, why is it difficult to get them to paint the lines on the tennis courts? Pickleball, it's not as big in, in England and the UK as it is in the States. And tennis clubs and tennis club members are very protective of their courts. So, you know, they, if we're painting lines on the tennis court for something else, it's like, no, but then we don't know which lines are for tennis. And I guess it's it's like an education pro process to say look tennis courts aren't used all day every day by tennis players so actually it's a really good initiative for tennis clubs to to introduce another sport like pickleball because it it benefits them it can bring new members to their club it can bring new revenue streams to their club but it's just an education process that it won't destroy their tennis courts so it's definitely a challenge because their kind of main focus is tennis and yeah, like what's this new, strange, weird sport? So yeah, but we, we're gradually educating tennis clubs over here. Great. That's good to hear. I had somebody on the podcast who basically said, yeah, if you've got a tennis club or a basketball court and you're not painting lane, lines on it for pickleball, then you're losing revenue. Exactly. Exactly. It's a no-brainer. All right. Thaddea, it was great to talk to you today. If anybody wants to uh, reach out and uh, get in contact with you, where is the best place for that? So they can go on my Facebook or my Instagram. So just my name, which is quite unusual. So I'm quite easy to find. Yeah, you can just find me on social media. And then yeah, just drop me a message and get in touch. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the Pickleball Fire podcast. I really enjoyed the discussion. Really interesting to hear about the uh, two handed backhand in Pickleball. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.